Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. <laughs> Again, to Gamble On, weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by my co-host, US Bets Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. And I want to start the show this week by assuring all of our listeners, Jeff is fine. He did not actually get struck by lightning during last week's podcast recording. That was just a stunt to promote our new segment, Lightning Our Bankroll. Uh, but seriously, Jeff, uh, I've got to know your take on points bet a few days ago, pretending Drew Brees got struck by lightning and our sort of kind of colleague, Darren Rovell, practically starting a GoFundMe for Drew's kids as he fell for it. Yeah, Rovell's had a rough week. He got that other article about the school teacher who won a million dollars or something fishy going on there also. But anyway, hmm. as far as these promotional stunts go, uh, I don't know. Faking a death in an effort to get people to, you know, play sports bets seems a little, uh, <laughs> eh, you know, maybe we take this one back to the drawing board. You know, I mean, right. it's the times we live in. I, I just feel like it's that was pushing it a little bit too far. And, you know, people are angry. There's like who knew, but there's like lightning strike survivor groups. <laughs> right. And they, they are they are none too pleased with it. I mean, you know, like everyone take a deep breath here. But like, I you know, looking back, I'm sure the people I'm sure the points bed team is probably saying, well, maybe this wasn't in the best taste or the best idea. But I mean, as, as the, you know, harmless in the end, obviously. Yeah, maybe they're happy with the attention it got and uh, they feel it accomplished uh, just what they set out to. I don't know. Well, but I mean, there's that. You know, I think it was P.T. Barnum. I, mean, I don't care if they're talking right. good or bad about me as long as they're talking. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And we're and we're feeding into that a bit now. But I don't know. I mean, I was neither offended by it nor amused or impressed by it in any way. Um, <laughs> I don't know anyone in that lightning sur- survivor group. So, uh, you know, I might have been offended if I if I did. Uh, but I don't. So, uh, you know, knocking wood here that I don't. But uh, uh, so I wasn't offended by it. And, and I just feel very neutral about the whole thing. Uh, I will say, not a fan of the actual lightning bets. Um, you know, points bet has given me a few $2 free bets to use specifically on lightning bets. And it just feels like there's no strategy or edge to it. I'm I'm like scrambling to get the bet in before the next play and the odds disappear or change. Not, not not a fan. Just uh, to me, sports betting shouldn't be like a video game where you're making split second decisions. I like a little consideration and, and there being a thought process involved. And, and I guess same goes for tweeting that Drew Brees got struck by lightning. Take 30 seconds, have a thought process before you tweet, maybe. Seems reasonable. Okay. Uh, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 220 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 219 episodes, they're all available on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. And may lightning strike down any of you who doesn't give us a five-star rating. Yeah, I don't know. I think we should just drop the lightning bit at this point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little little too aggro for me to uh, wish lightning strikes upon the listeners. It, it might be, it might be a lot. It might be a lot. Well, but, listen, uh, they should give us yeah. a five star rating, and then they don't have to worry about it. That's, okay. Well, that seems like a reasonable, unreasonable request, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll take it. Uh, anyway, coming up a little bit later in the show, we got the captain, Captain Jack Andrews, yes. is with us, uh, closing in on his five timers club. Uh, would he be the first? Has, has you have we had a five timer? We ha- we have had some five timers, but they've all been within the better collective family. I think he would be the first outsider to make the five timers oh, club. That's very good. Well, we're going to hear a lot from Jack, and uh, you know he's always always got some views. But before yeah. we do that, Eric, another very very busy week in the news. Here's your gamble on news of the week: an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Let's kick off the news segment by talking about both Ohio, the state, and the Ohio State. Uh, We're now a little over three weeks away from the launch of legal sports betting in Ohio, and the timing of it has suddenly become a little extra inconvenient. It was already inconvenient to those of us in the industry to have it launch at midnight on New Year's Eve, and that unfortunate timing was compounded by the release of the college football bowl schedule which sees Ohio State in the four-team playoffs playing Georgia for the right to advance to the national title game. And that Peach Bowl game is scheduled for December 31st at 8 p.m. Eastern. 
That means, barring multiple overtimes, the game will end just before betting kicks off in Ohio. And in another notable Ohio State football-related betting development, after the Buckeyes lost badly to Michigan two weeks ago, their national title odds ballooned as high as 50-1 to 1 at Caesars Sportsbook, and some bettors pounced because there was still a path for OSU to get into the college football playoffs. The price dropped to 7-1, to 1, and now they're all the way down at plus 350. So some sportsbooks, particularly Caesars, uh, are facing major liability if Ohio State wins. But bettors in Ohio, of course, weren't able to take advantage of those odds. So, uh, Jeff, your thoughts on the timing of the bowl game and the launch? And Alanis Morissette hasn't gotten back to me, so I have to ask you, does this qualify as ironic? I think it qualifies as ironic in the Alanis Morissette sense. I'm not sure if it actually fits <laughs> the, the legal definition of irony. Right. But uh, I'll tell you, I think the people probably most upset by this has to be the sports books themselves. Uh, obviously, they always want action. But, I mean, my God, I mean, like, the, the action that would have poured in on Ohio State that night in Ohio has got to yeah. be I, – I, you know, I can't, I, don't, I can't put a number on but I, it, would, it would be a monster number. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine most of the action would come in on Ohio State. They are, like, you know, near touchdown dogs. Right. Like, this could have been a, a, a nice way for the, the sports books to get off the ground and run in here with a nice big profit. But, uh, alas – you know, I guess we'll have to look towards Indiana and Iowa, whatever other states, Pennsylvania, <laughs> anywhere else near Ohio, right. as well as our offshore friends, for them to capitalize on, on that. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think you know, it's it's the the timing is unfortunate for sure. Yeah, um, I view it frankly as the sports gods punishing Ohio legislators for the absurd idea to launch at midnight on January first. I mean, that timing just shows a complete lack of understanding of. A, the life. sports calendar, yeah. right? But but B, life. Yeah, the fact that people are usually doing other things on New Year's Eve at midnight. Uh, and on top of that, they're forcing people to work through the night on New Year's Eve who are in this industry. There was no good reason not to just launch at like 9 a.m. on January 1st. So uh, they're being punished by having this happen just after the big Ohio State game. Uh, not to mention, if Ohio State loses which, as you said, that's the more likely outcome. They're about a touchdown underdog. Enthusiasm for betting in Ohio at that moment figures to be kind of low. People will have just turned off their TVs in disgust and turned their attention to the the midnight ball drop stuff. They won't be thinking about placing a bet, uh, except for Pete Rose. Uh, he, he will be. Uh, one of the casinos is bringing him out, paying him to appear and place the first bet at midnight. So that's a, at least one person in Ohio will be motivated to place a bet at midnight. Yeah, well, I mean, I like Pete, so like, good, you know. Hopefully, he wins, gets himself off to a nice uh, legal, legal, legal start there in Ohio. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just, I, I, if I was a sports book, you know, if I was running the show for Caesars, DraftKings, whatever, I, I'd just be shaking my head. Like, I mean, just there's millions, millions of dollars being left on the table here. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, that's former Gamble on guest Pete Rose that you're that's, talking that's about. That's right. That's right. Probably, I would say he's got to be the biggest name guest uh, that that we've uh, that we've ever had on the show. Uh, slightly edging out. Um, well, you've been a guest on the show I've before you guest. became the co-host, like, so it's yeah. just narrowly edging you out, Jeff. <laughs> he, I'm also I, I I'm also a distant second uh, in hits to Pete Rose. <laughs> yeah, a very very distant second. Yeah, you know, it's one of my all-time favorite trivia questions. Ready? Okay. What brother tandem holds the record for most home runs in Major League Baseball? <laughs> well, I guess that that perhaps the answer is kind of given away because of who we were just talking about. But uh, did Pete Rose have a, a brother who played in the major nope. leagues? No. Nope. Oh. Nope. oh, so it's not him. It's nope. not him and his brother who got nope. like two hits or something. Okay. Nope. Then uh... most home runs. Most home runs. Oh, it's most home runs. Most not home hits. runs. Oh, okay. Yep. I was uh, not even paying close attention to the question. Um. Brother tandem, most home runs. So again, probably the same kind of thing where like somebody is one of the all-time leaders and uh, yep, and, yep, and yep. he has a brother who had like one homer. Uh, but it. I have no idea who it is. So who is it? Hank and Tommy Aaron, 755 okay. and 12. <laughs> All right. There you go. But uh, listen. Tommy contributed. He's still 12 ahead of either of us. That's very true. (laughs) All right. Our second story this week concerns the recent slew of coverage the New York Times gave the sports gambling industry, journalism that met with some choice words on this podcast. But regardless of whether the two of us felt the Times did a good or bad job, the reality is 
that there are now reverberations from those articles. One of those is coming from within the state of New York, where State Senator Pete Harcum has proposed a bill to regulate what the bill calls predatory sportsbook bonuses, the same bonuses that provide temporary plus EV situations for betters that users like us love are perceived by some as dangerous from a problem gambling perspective, and this bill seeks to set out some rules regarding the bonuses. And the bill proposal references the Times putting an unflattering spotlight on the sign-up bonuses and thus prompting this bill. Uh, Elsewhere in Massachusetts, Penn Entertainment and Barstool Sportsbook's hopes of getting licensed are running into some roadblocks because the face of Barstool Sports, your personal hero, Jeff, uh, at least from a pizza review perspective, but, you know, kind of on other fronts, too, uh, Dave Portnoy. Uh, The Times did a harsh takedown of Portnoy, and that story was brought to the attention of the Massachusetts Gaming Commission. And on Tuesday, the commission deferred a decision on licensing Penn a decision that for most sports books would be a straightforward rubber stamp. So these Times articles are leading to some fallout. Any guesses, Jeff, where either of these stories are going? Will New York start restricting sign-up bonuses? And will Barstool Sportsbook actually have trouble getting licensed in Massachusetts? I think it's funny what's happening in Massachusetts. I mean, Portnoy is like the original mass hole, right? And he can't, <laughs> right. He can't get himself licensed there. Uh, I think that's going to blow over. I mean, that, 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 that seems like silliness to me. Um, and yeah, I do like Portnoy. I, I mean, listen, I, 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 there's something about him. I, I just, I, I love the brashness. I love the upfrontness. I mean, he's got warts, but everybody does. It just so happens that his are, you know, he, he's, he sometimes hangs him out there for the public to see himself, but whatever. I mean, Portnoy's Portnoy. I think that Massachusetts story will eventually blow over. I, I have a very hard time believing they're not going to license Penn, you know, due to, you know, Portnoy's antics. That seems silly. Um, as far as New York goes, I'll tell you, I'm not against... The, the sports books being told to cool it on the verbiage with these, you know, they're not risk-free. It's, it's right. really that simple. You know, it's, it, it was aggravating to me when I first started, you know, I'm like, Oh, risk-free. Well, no, it's not risk-free, you know, and it, it's not even like read the fine print risk-free. It's like, you find out real quick how not risk-free it is after you lose that first bet. So yeah, I'm, I, that honestly, like I wish the sports books would just take that upon themselves, yeah. you know, and, and fix that issue. Um, so if, if it comes to the politicians that have to do it, well, then so be it. You know, it's a sportsbook's own fault. You know, they, they, they shouldn't call them risk. Uh, they, they shouldn't be called risk free unless they are actually risk free. They're not yeah. risk free. Right. I th- right. And they're also not even the slightly better wording of no sweat. That's that's not quite true either. There's still a sweat. Uh, yeah. So I'm not quite sure what that bill is going to look like. If it is all about just legislating the wording, I'm with you 100 percent that that uh, that they need to be more clear about and and stop BSing the public on on what the bonus offers are. Um, If the bill actually is looking to, like, restrict the availability and the size of the bonuses, um, I guess I would push back on that. I don't see, you know, from a problem gambling perspective or whatever, it's. It's just part of the big picture of if you're going to have sports betting, there's going to be some problem gambling, encouraging people by giving them some good opportunities off the bat to build a little bankroll to play with actually should be a good thing. But so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you just on, on the wording aspect, if that's what the bill is focusing on. I'm not quite sure what exactly the bill is focusing right. on. Um, it's funny with the, the Portnoy thing uh, you did. Uh, this is this was an old uh, Adam Carolla bit. I used to listen to his podcast and then uh, Adam Carolla kind of went sideways for me. But uh, he his thing was always if you describe somebody by saying by using their name to describe them. When you said, eh, Portnoy is Portnoy, that's usually a sign that you don't have anything good to say about him. Uh, <laughs> but in, in, in your case, it wasn't true. You like Portnoy, but you still described him as Portnoy is Portnoy. Um, but um, I mean, I think it's great that some new state is slowing down and saying, you know, hold on a second. Let's let's talk about this guy. Let's talk about Barstool Sports. It's 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 a nice change of pace from everyone else in every other state just being like, you want a sportsbook license? You're willing to pay for it. You're tethered to a casino in our state. Okay, cool. Fork over the money and, and, and you're good. I like the idea of them slowing down and asking some questions. But like you, I can't imagine Massachusetts not giving them a license. I, I guarantee every applicant has somebody associated with the company who has a checkered past. You know, d- does DraftKings not get a license because someone alerts the Massachusetts commission to Ethan gate. Um, right. You know, uh, apparently Massachusetts is taking its time and asking questions about BetMGM also. So maybe this is just how they operate, but 
Barstool Sportsbook will definitely be coming to Massachusetts. Yeah, no question. No question. All right. For our final story this week, big developments in the story of the UFC fight about a month ago that was flagged for, quote, suspicious wagering. After the New Jersey DGE took the understandable step of banning betting on fights involving James Krause, the trainer in the corner of the fighter who lost the controversial bout, two Canadian provinces went several steps further and for now at least, suspended all UFC wagering. Ontario announced it last Thursday and Alberta last Friday, and combined, half the population of Canada lives in those two provinces. The UFC put a new rule in place in October that no fighters, trainers, managers, or UFC staff can bet on UFC events, but apparently that isn't satisfactory to these two Canadian provinces, or at least isn't being enforced to their satisfaction this is unprecedented as far as I know. Never before has a sport or league this big been outright banned from the betting markets anywhere in North America. Are Ontario and Alberta overreacting? Is the U.S. underreacting? Do these two provinces' regulators know something we don't? Are they biased against MMA? Jeff, what do you make of all this? Uh, I think that the UFC needs to quickly get its act together, and they started to. You know, they recently banned... Uh, you know, Kraus comes out in, you know, the trainer who's in the center right. of all this. He, he right. comes out in August or whatever, saying that he makes so much money betting. Then, like, a couple of weeks after that, or, you know, six weeks or so after that, UFC bans some trainers from betting on UFC action. Right. Then, you know, this this fight comes around that Kraus is involved in. If If I were the UFC, I would immediately be, like, making a big show and a real show of like hiring like outsiders to like say, you know, we're these people are going to, they have full access, you know, we're going to make sure, we're making sure everything's on the up and up right. because very quickly in America, if it's not there already, if you can't bet on a sport, it's not going to be a sport for long. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's going to lose its credibility. Now, does Canada know something? Is Canada too aggressive? Are we not aggressive enough? I, I that I don't know. What I do know is, a, you know, this, you know, little whiffs of impropriety, Bad for business, bad for the UFC, bad for legalized sports books, bad for everybody. So I know the UFC is, you know, it, it's it's a Dana White dictatorship over there. Mm. They need he needs to keep this as open and clear as possible to avoid, you know, this happening in America, basically to avoid another. You know, if you know what happens if New York decides that we're not going to take the UFC bets anymore, you think those dominoes are going to fall pretty quick? I bet. Right. Yeah, well, you should maybe be an industry consultant because uh, I spoke to Brendan Bussman, our recent podcast guest, uh, about this, and uh, he had some of the same advice that, that you had in terms of what UFC should do. He also, though, was fairly flabbergasted by the Ontario and Alberta response. Basically, he said Nevada is handling it. They know how best to handle it as both a gambling commission and an athletic commission. Everyone else should just follow their lead. Um, on the one hand, I'm like... These Canadian provinces, the the regulators there, they must be biased against UFC and and these you know dirty combat sports because uh, God knows tennis has had a lot more betting scandal than this and they didn't ban tennis. But then again, sports betting has only been up and running in Canada for a year or so, so maybe there hasn't been a big tennis scandal in that time. So it's not quite a fair comparison. I mean, it definitely seems like an overreaction to me. UFC has ditched all the suspected parties. New Jersey banned betting on Krauss-related fighters. You know, they're not punishing the whole sport, uh, a sport that now has these rules in place, disallowing any betting from UFC people on UFC. It seems like UFC is starting to do the right things, and that's not good enough for Ontario and Alberta, which seems crazy unless those regulators know details we don't and, and have reason to believe there's some bigger conspiracy at play here. But uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of what UFC ought to do, because as you said, they sure as hell don't want these betting bans snowballing any more than they already have. Busman advises them to really talk directly to these regulators and, and just have a dialogue and make sure everything is out in the open. And, you know, the sooner that Ontario says, okay, we're comfortable with, with UFC betting, the better. Yep. Sounds good to me. Yeah, maybe right. I will be an industry consultant. What is, what is, does, it, does it pay? I guess it must pay pretty it well, must, right? It must pay, all right. And listen, you don't have enough side gigs. Why not pick up one more, right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. All right, I'm in. Anyone who's listening, if you need me as an industry consultant, uh, I can be reached at jedelstein at bettercollective.com. 
It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. I was looking over the Gamble On archives to tally up how many times this week's guest has been on the podcast and was mildly surprised to learn he's not quite in the five-timers club, but he's about to be 80% of the way there. Uh, and for the record, that's a, a math equation I was able to do on my own without the unabated odds calculator's help. Uh, making his fourth appearance on our podcast, he is one of the co-creators of unabated.com. He's a professional gambler. He is Captain Jack Andrews. Jack, welcome once again to Gamble On. Well, thank you, Eric. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, Jeff, good to see you as well. Uh, yeah, I guess this is the fourth time. So next time, have that jacket ready for me. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> we, we will. <laughs> um, and, and by the way, uh, you, you have high marks in the Massey Peabody rankings of Gamble on guests, f- far above replacement level. So <laughs> great. great. <laughs> All right. So uh, you and uh, Rufus Peabody, with help from other folks, started Unabated about 15 months ago. So you now have a large enough sample size of experience to answer this question. What's more difficult, running a business or being a professional gambler? Well, you you hinted as to why I'm going to make the decision I decide here. Uh, we have a large group of people that helps run unabated. We have engineers, software engineers, data scientists, uh, a founding team that has a large resume of success in the industry. So my role in all of this has just been content and a little bit of guidance to our subscribers. So for me, yeah, being a professional gambler is actually tougher than uh, running a business. Hmm. Okay. So it's just sort of that the it's all on you sort of sense of of being a pro gambler that you you prefer this uh, a little less responsibility strictly on your shoulders, you're saying. Absolutely. Uh, The hardest part about being a professional gambler is thinking about what comes next. That dread of okay, if this all dries up tomorrow, what am I going to do? Uh, there, it's it's really it really weighs on you actually from a, a mental aspect. Being a professional gambler and being solely reliant for all of your income in that way is a lot of stress. And try I, being a writer, Andrews. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess that's similar. Uh, yeah, I. But you know what? You don't have a lot of newspapers and publications that uh, say, you know what, Jeff. Just give us five words. That's all we want from you. We're only going to pay you for five words. Fair enough. Uh, you know, I, I've been covering this industry now for a little over two years. And uh, from the moment I, I got in, I, everyone was telling me how exchange betting is going to change the change everything, right? Um, and I guess I, I know you've been a big proponent of it, you know, with sport trade and uh, I guess profit exchange up and running now in New Jersey. Are you finding it to be like a bit of a game changer for, for the pros? Because one of the big, you know, one of the big draws to it, from what I understand, is the idea that it, it's a place for, you know, where you, someone like you can get down what you need to get down to, you know, to, to, to do your business, to run your job. Obviously, a lot of American sports books are into the limiting game. Are you finding that the exchange betting is all that and more? Or do you feel like it's not quite living up to expectations? In that spectrum of answers, I would I would be more to the bullish side. It has been a great experience so far. Yes, uh, you can get down as much as you want up to the offered liquidity. And sometimes the offered liquidity is not quite what I would hope for, but it's still better than I expected. And I think exchanges are a big part of the sports betting ecosystem going forward. I think they're going to be key for both players and operators. On the player side, they offer a lower margin product. They offer the ability to buy and sell positions uh, in real time rather than waiting for a cash out offer or something like that. And on the operator side, they provide a lot of price discovery. There's nothing better for defining what the true price should be than in an open market. And these exchanges aren't quite open market yet because we're still within the walls of New Jersey. But they provide a faster way of price discovery for other operators to look towards and set sharper prices. I, you know, I've seen um, a lot more arbitrage opportunity if you're using the 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 uh, the exchanges, like some big, big, big spreads. You know, they they last for a minute or two, I'm sure. But uh, is that something that like is that going to what you were talking about? You think that's going to tighten up as time goes on, at least in New Jersey? It will tighten up as time goes on. Uh, I look, I, I'll be honest with you. I, it was a great um, 
garden party for me for a little while. And then Spanky got on and <laughs> Spanky started playing on sport trade. And I saw the edges evaporate much faster. Huh. That's just one person, one very large better coming into the space and taking up a lot of the inefficiencies in the market. And that'll continue. And that's, that's expected. But for the most part, I do find a ton of opportunity on the exchanges, specifically in-game. In-game betting is, is really strong on the, on the sport trade platform, and you can get money down, and uh, there's, there's no spinning wheel to wait for them to accept your bet. It's just all instantaneous, and there's plenty of opportunities there, uh, especially if you're using the unabated live odds screen. So, plug, so, plug, deft, plug. so deft, so yeah, deft getting that you. plug in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so we have the exchange betting that uh, is is popular more so among the the professional set, and then there's something else that's aimed more at the the casual recreational better, and that's parlays. I, I know you keep a close eye on the monthly sports betting revenue reports as we do, and in the states that break it down by vertical, you can't miss how much money betters are losing on parlays. Is the sportsbook's emphasis on these parlays a problem for the industry, in your view, especially as someone whose goal with Unabated is to help people be better at sports betting and at least lose their money more slowly? Well, okay, so parlays are just a form of uh, equity instrument in the market of sports betting. Okay, so we know that parlays are going to exist. They're going to be there. Uh, If people understand the variance of parlays, sometimes they're not bad. If you're parlaying multiple positive EV situations together, you're compounding your edge, uh, which is great. Unfortunately, for most bettors, they view parlays as the lottery ticket, and the lottery ticket is what they want to hit. And so they're more than willing to throw together something that when all of the house edge is compounded together, they're betting into like a 50% house edge, much like the lottery, much like a scratch-off ticket. And in that sense, that's, that's not a good idea for bettors. It's not a good idea for the sustainability of the industry either, because when bettors lose too quickly, they become disgusted at how they lost and they're more likely to quit. Whereas if bettors lose slowly, which is how the industry should work, they're more willing to say, oh, that was entertainment expense. I had a good time. Yes, I lost money, but uh, I feel like I had a good gamble and they're willing to come back. Um, now, the, the part where I draw the line is the same game parlay product is being highly pushed. And it's a it's a little bit deceptive. And, you know, I've been on my soapbox about this plenty of times. So I'll give the abbreviated sermon. These situations trick bettors into thinking they have a bigger edge than they do. They allow you to correlate things together, um, combine things together that are correlated. And you say, oh, well, of course, if uh, San Francisco wins the game, they're going to have a lot of rushing from McCaffrey and uh, the opposing quarterback is going to throw an INT. All of those things are, are 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 correlated. And I can bet all these together and make a parlay out of it. Well, then I must have the best of it. Well, the sports book knows the correlation. The better doesn't. And the sports book then pads the correlation by 20 to 40 percent. So in the end, they're betting into a situation where they have a deep negative disadvantage against the book maybe 30, maybe 40%. And the book just sits back and says, you know what? Okay, go ahead and bet into that. Do it, do everything you want to do there because um, we have the best of it in the end. And the fact that betters don't know that going in, if, I feel it's a little bit deceptive. But at this point, look, the word has gotten out there. If you're betting into same game parlays now, you're doing so probably because you understand that you're not going to get the best of it and you're probably losing more than you win. And so in the end, um, you know, whatever happens, happens, because uh, I feel like people should be aware by now, hopefully. I, I think the biggest bone that I have to pick with the same game parlays is that some of the uh, apps don't show you the odds for each in- that they're offering for each individual leg along the way. So, uh, you know, you start building it and sometimes you notice those. Well, I've got two legs. I'm up to plus 225. I add this leg. Oh, now I'm only up to plus 275 after adding a third leg. So you can sort of sense that the sports books are factoring in the correlation if you're paying attention. But do, how much of an issue do you have with just sports books not making it clear what the odds for each individual leg are as you try to build a parlay. I think that's an important point, Eric. I think that sports books should uh, give you all the information that you need to have. Look, they have an advantage. 
we're in a normal situation, we're betting minus 110. We know that we're laying 11 to win 10. The sports book is laying 10 to win 11. Uh, they have the best of it and the betters are okay with that. They're, they're fine with that four and a half percent edge to the sports book. Similarly, in a parlay situation, let the better see all the legs and the correlation factor that the sports book is giving you. Uh, that still doesn't answer the equation. It's not like that's an x-ray machine for the same game parlay product. It just lets the betters know, oh, okay, this extra leg that you've added in, uh, we feel it's heavily correlated. And so we're not adjusting the odds that much further. Give the give the betters the information. It, it's, it's not going to harm you. It's just going to educate the betters. And I think all operators agree an educated consumer is the best consumer and uh, they should build their products accordingly. FanDuel does though, right? FanDuel lists all the odds when you're building the parlays, I think. Yes. I believe they do. Yes. Yeah. And it, and what's interesting to me at least, I've found that FanDuel's odds are routinely outside of their teaser odds, their parlay odds are routinely you know, much better than DraftKings, Caesars, and the rest. I I've built some like crazy parlays, uh, like touchdown score, like five like ridiculous stuff that's like, you know, plus forty, you know, four hundred to one on Caesars, eight hundred to one on FanDuel. I mean, it's a big yeah. there, you know, if you're gonna be playing the lotto, you might as well like <laughs> you know, get 800 chances instead of 400, right? Absolutely, right. shop around. Yeah. So, you know, listen, we we all know that this industry, you know, the not only is the dust not settled, it hasn't even, like, entered, most of it hasn't even entered into the atmosphere yet. You know, we got you know, all these, you know, Florida, Texas, California still on the sidelines, Fanatics getting ready to come in. What's Disney going to do with ESPN? You know, there's so many questions out there. Jack, nobody's got their hand in the dirt more than you. Five years from now, when you're when you're on the show uh, as a, as a tenth time, where 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 is this industry? Where just where where is this industry headed over the next five years? What do you see? Yeah, I mean, this is a tough answer to to create um, with my dirty hands, but I would say we obviously know consolidation is the next shoe to drop. We would have seen it more had California passed either Prop Twenty Six or Twenty Seven, because there would have to be great consolidation to make that market work economically for operators. So we've just pushed that can down the road. We know that 2024, California is going to legalize. Uh, we also know that there is a shakeout coming in terms of operators. Some of these operators, uh, they're not targeting more than 1% market share, and they're, they're setting themselves up as acquisition targets. So we know that that's all coming down the line. I think there's going to be new ways to bet. Look, one of the things that I think is the most tired about sports betting is we're doing it the same way we've been doing it for 50 years. There's got to be a new way. There's got to be different ways. One of the reasons I think exchange betting is taking off in New Jersey is because it's a different way. It's a new way. And there's plenty of bettors that are like, wait a minute, I can have this frictionless environment where there's no trader on the other side approving something and I can get out of a position as quickly as I got into it and the margins are lower this is better for me. So they're going for that. There's going to be somebody that comes along with something more innovative than that, a new way to, to approach sports betting. I think we're going to expand the verticals of sports betting. Right now, it's a very uh, male, middle-aged dominated industry, as evidenced by the guys on this call right now. <laughs> yeah. um, we, we need to expand it. We need to touch into other demographics. And I don't think that's an impossible hill to climb. I don't think the millennial money is where it's at. That seems to be the target audience for a lot of uh, the new operators. Uh, I think the female market is is highly untapped in terms of potential. Um, but women don't like to gamble in the same way men like to gamble. We need to understand that. and We need to make a product that is more appealing to how women like to gamble or how women enjoy sports. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different ways the industry goes. I don't want to predict any of them. Um, I will say that I think we're going to have some major operators that will decide sports betting is not where they want to be. Online casino is where they want to be. And as soon as they can, uh, and I'll use the term hoodwink enough states into legalizing online casino, they're out of sports betting. That was their Trojan horse they wheeled in. And they're looking forward to just being an online casino company, uh, maybe be the king of online casino companies. Easy game right. to beat those online casinos. 
I was just telling uh, Jeff in Slack the other day that I had a nice uh, couple hundred dollar win at a random slots game the the other night. So uh, and I'm somehow ahead lifetime on this little slots game I play. But uh, I, eventually the law of averages will catch up with me, I'm sure. Um, so uh, so so, Jack, uh, I, I, we need to be clear about one thing. Uh, the next time you appear, you will get that jacket. But uh, five years from now, when you make the 10th appearance, we we haven't thought ahead that far. I don't know that a second jacket comes with the tenth appearance. I want you to to understand that going in. Maybe I've, I'll have outgrown my five time jacket. Um, if I maybe we to sit at this desk all day long. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, how about if we commit to putting patches on the elbows of the jacket uh, that that will be worn down by then for the tenth appearance? Is that reasonable? That works for me. Yeah, okay. yeah, that works. <laughs> All right. Um, thanks so much for coming on again, Jack. Uh, everyone can follow him on Twitter at CapJack2000. And of course, uh, go uh, look him up, uh, everything that he's doing on unabated.com. Thanks so much for joining us, Jack. Thanks, Jack. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to bagels and locks and some DFS talk shortly, but first, let's update our betting bankroll. I don't want to, but we have to. Uh, it, it's not going well, Jeff. Uh, just uh... Is it possible to go on tilt with fake money? Because if so, <laughs> I am. Yeah, uh, listen, I've been I've been in in and out of tilt for the last four years with fake money, so it, it happens, yeah. Uh, just uh, two bets graded this week, both losers. I had Chocolatito by decision at plus 115. It went the distance. I thought he won. I scored it 115-113 in his favor. The judges gave a majority decision to Estrada because they don't want us to have any pretend money. Uh, So we lost $100 on that. And your three-team teaser went the way three-team teasers sometimes (laughs) go. Uh, Eagles covered by a lot. Bengals covered by a lot. Ravens, Lamar Jackson goes down early in the game. And they win by one, and we teased them to minus two. Just freaking brutal. Uh, Could have won $160. Instead, we lose $100. Uh, Meanwhile, my Falcons NFC South bet couldn't be off to a worse start. Uh, They lost a more than winnable game to Pittsburgh, and Tampa Bay won a game it had no business winning on Monday night. Not feeling great about letting you talk me into doubling that bet size so we could hedge later. Don't think there's going to be a hedge opportunity, uh, yeah. but, you know, we'll see. The bet isn't dead yet. Uh, on the bright side, you bet the Bengals at the perfect time. Their prices since come way down. Argentina is still alive in the World Cup. Uh, Kane and Foden have two goals so far, need three more. So mm, we're not quite on pace, but we have a shot. Um, but, uh, yeah, this betting business, it's not easy, especially no. for a couple of donks like us. <laughs> uh, but we must soldier on. We lost $200 for the week. We are now down by $3,330. We have 1553 on Holden Futures Bets, leaving us with $5,117 available to bet with this week. And you're up first, Jeff. Yeah, so uh, I, I don't know anything about soccer. But I really I, the the fact that the World Cup games were starting at 10 a.m. and there were two game slates and four game slates, mm-hmm. I or three game slates rather, I started uh, DFSing with them and I I had a wonderful time. Actually, came in fourth in a tournament the other day. For wow! Nice, uh, out know, of out of how large a field? Like you know, like 1,200 or so. Okay, so, you know, I was very happy good. with that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So of course, I'm now a soccer expert. <laughs> of course. As such, we are going to parlay uh, Brazil and Argentina tomorrow to to okay. win in regular time. Fifty dollars to win a hundred at you know plus two hundred odds or so. Simple, easy. Plus two hundred odds or so. We're just well, it's plus two hundred six. It's plus two. Okay, listen, we we got to be precise here. All right, all right, all right, we'll, all right we'll be precise. So it's fifty dollars so, at plus two hundred six. Okay, all right. Brazil and Argentina win in in regulation. Okay. Um, for my first bet, I'm getting back on the teaser train. Uh, I'll note that I I played with the unabated teaser calculator for this bet. And uh, discovered that it has decidedly negative EV, but I won't let that stop me. Uh, (laughs) I'm doing a two-leg seven-point tease at DraftKings, one side and one total. First, the Cowboys, they're minus 16 against the Texans. Maybe they cover that. Maybe they don't. They're definitely covering minus nine. Slam dunk. Full confidence. Uh, Then uh, we have the Ravens and the Steelers. The total is 37. 
and I really like the under. Neither of these offenses is going to get much done. This is AFC North smash mouth football. It's going to be like 3-3 at the half. No Lamar. Even with Lamar, the Ravens offense had been underwhelming this season. So I like under 37. I love under 44. It's going to be like a a 16-13 final, and you can go ahead and throw a couple more touchdowns on there if you want. Make it 23-20. We still go under the teased line. So uh, two teams, seven points. It's minus 140, so we're betting 140 to win 100. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm good with betting a minus number just to get a win under our belts, and this will win. It has to, Jeff. It has to. I have faith. I have okay. faith. All right, this, this next one won't. Uh, $100, and we're going to do a little three-team parlay. Okay. Jets getting nine and a half. Bills aren't blowing anybody out. Second time they're meeting. Jets defense is too good. So mm-hmm. I'll take the nine and a half points. Mm-hmm. Bengals minus six. Love the Bengals minus six at home against Cleveland. Bengals are ascendant. <laughs> and then I am taking the Ravens. They're plus money in Pittsburgh at plus 125. And my theory behind this is that if Lamar Jackson was healthy in starting this game, I believe the Ravens would be slight favorites. Yeah. Maybe a point, maybe a point and a half, too. I don't think there's that much of a difference between Jackson and Huntley. Yeah. And maybe maybe I'm being naive, but I don't think there's I, I just don't think there's that much of a difference. On top of it, I think Huntley is playing for the starting job next year. I think if you know, if the next two or three games if Huntley shows out, I think they let Lamar walk in the in the offseason. So I'm I'm gonna put those three together. Jets plus nine and a half, Bengals minus six, Ravens plus one twenty five. Over at DraftKings I got it seven fifty seven. So hundred bucks to win seven hundred fifty seven dollars. What do you say? I say, A, I love that it came out to 757, representative of how our bankroll is ready to take off like a right. jumbo That's jet. Right. Um, I'm not so I'm not so confident in the Bengals minus six. I feel like there's there's something weird about that game where the Browns are going to play them tough and it could could be close. I, I, they are ascendant, but this feels like one of those division games that uh, that's the leg I'm least confident in. I am actually okay. more confident in the Ravens money line than the Bengals minus six. All right. All right. We'll, we'll find out who's right. We will indeed. I'm, I'm rooting for you to be right. Yeah, um, yeah me too. <laughs> OK. Uh, For my next bet, I'm going back to boxing. Got to get a boxing win in the Edelstein era to prove that I'm not a fraud. Uh, There's a fight this Saturday that strikes me as a bit of a misprice. Arnold Hagai against Eduardo Baez. When I heard about the fight a few weeks ago, I immediately thought Hagai is the A-side. He's a good up-and-comer. His only loss was by competitive decision to the absolutely outstanding Stephen Fulton. Baez is a good gatekeeper type. He's solid, but he's the B-side. He got stopped in his last fight. I would have guessed Hagai would be like minus 200 and Baez like plus 150. Instead, I'm seeing Hagai, the very slight dog at plus 105 at Foxbet. Maybe I'm a little off. Maybe it's closer to 50-50 than I pegged it initially. But however close, I do think Hagai should be favored and he isn't. So I'm going to put my fake money where my mouth is. If it is a misprice and I know better than the books, I shouldn't just bet $100 on it. So let's go two units, $200 to win 210 on Arnold Hagai. Yeah, right. I, 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 I'd say I like it if I knew anything about boxing, So, <laughs> I, I, but I do like it. All right, and now it is time for bagels and whitefish. These aren't yeah. locks. I'm, yeah. I'm, re- I'm renaming the segment on the fly. I do love a good whitefish salad, by the way. You, you a whitefish I, man, Jeff? I am not. I am not. Not at all, huh? Not at all, no. I stop at locks. <laughs> okay. Cre- cream cheese, though, I presume, with your with your locks, or are you anti-cream cheese, Believe it or not, no. Too? I, I go sans. I go, I am, people Ooh, dry, ba- dry bagel, huh? Dry bagel and locks. People look at me like I'm crazy, but I, I don't care. I'm, I'm a man. I'm confident in my, <laughs> in my myself. I'm not afraid. I, I'm not questioning you as a man. I'm questioning you as a Jew, perhaps, but not as a man. <laughs> All right. So uh, last week in this segment, I had the Colts plus 10 and a half against the Cowboys. It was everything I expected it to be through three quarters. And then Dallas scored 33 unanswered points in the fourth. And you had the Ravens minus eight. We already talked about the Lamar injury that helped screw you. Who knows if they cover with Lamar, although it sounds like uh, you like Huntley more than Lamar anyway. So uh, in any case, I am now one and four. Jeff, you're three and two. It's weird. We're both doing well in the office picks pool contest. We can pick winners. It's just our conviction plays that suck or, yeah. or at least mine suck and yours started well and are now Starting beginning to suck. To suck. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> But this is the week where we show those sports books who's boss. Uh, and it's actually uh, it's my turn to go first. And um, I'm tempted to go. Denver plus nine and a half against Kansas City in Denver because the Chiefs never cover these big spreads on the road. But I have one other line that I like more. 
Chargers plus three and a half at home against Miami. We're on the right side of the hook. The Chargers have their backs up against the wall. They're six and six. This is just about a must win. I think Mike Williams is going to play, even if he's not 100%. They need him. And the Dolphins are a little banged up now. Waddle could miss. I think the Chargers are going to win this. Uh, even though Miami will score points, you know, it, it, it could be a shootout. But even if the Chargers don't win, we have three and a half points to play with. Uh, Justin Herbert ain't, uh, ain't going down without a fight. So lock it in or whitefish it in. Chargers plus three and a half. All right. Uh... That's an interesting. I would stay with. That's not for me. That game okay. scares me. Fair that enough. game scares me. All I'm right. going to the game you don't like. I'm going back to the Bengals. I, I really just think that this is a team that is just really ascending, and I, I don't think the Browns are going to be able to stop them. I think they're just going to the, the Bengals are just going to march up and down the field on this team. I like the Bengals minus six. I mean, honestly, I, I like the Bengals minus fourteen. So <laughs> give, me, give me the Bengals minus six is my lock. I'm in. You could probably find a pretty nice pad on I'm Bengals minus to. fourteen. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go look for it. All I, right, I really am. Well, for what it's worth, uh, you know, I listen to um, the Action Network, the favorites pod that Chad Millman and Simon Hunter do. And mm-hmm. uh, Simon Hunter usually will reveal which side of a, of a game uh, the, the the pros are on. And you, you're going against the pros on this one. That's all I can tell you. Well, I... The pros lose sometimes, too, of course. I am a sports betting consultant now, in case you didn't know. <laughs> That's true. I heard something about that. What's the email address again? <laughs> yeah, it's a don't bother at gmail.com. <laughs> there you go. That's the best advice you ever gave. <laughs> all right, we finish up with DFS talk. I have nothing prepared at all this week. I haven't looked at pricing or lineups or anything yet. It's been one of those weeks. Um, so I'm just going to hear what you have to say, Jeff, and, and, and I'll react. And I, I do have DK's pricing open in front of me, so I can look it over while you're talking. What you got this week? Yeah, I mean, it's an ugly week. You know, we, we, we all seem to, like, go back and forth between, like, these ugly weeks and these, like, robust weeks. Uh, everyone and their... Everyone, I mean, there's going to be looking at this Lions Vikings game as like the premier game of the week. Which, you know, the line. I mean, can you believe the two and a half point favorites of Lions? I mean, really, this is it's it's really something, uh, and it's clear who the plays are. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I, it, you know, if you're playing if you're playing GPPs, you ha- you you really kind of have to make a few of these lineups, even though you know it's going to be chalk because this game is so far and away the you know the clear game. Um, other things that are interesting to me, though, two things kind of stand out. One is Huntley again at 5,500 as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Just again, if Lamar was 5,500, everyone would be playing him this week, right? Right. So I, again, I don't think it, I, I think they're the same type of player. Huntley is just as capable of like having, you know, one of those like 100 yard, two touchdown on the ground games as, as, as Lamar is. So at 55, you know, I, I kind of like that. And, you know, it would be bit of a pivot i expect goff to be relatively popular down in that area right and, and cousins as well and then the other thing that's really interesting to me is the the pricing on the 49ers overall uh they're cheap uh yes they're going against the buccaneers and yes they got brock purdy you know mr relevant you know starting at quarterback but kittles at 4300 debo's at 6100 i think Ayuk is 55 but the one that stands out the most to me is mccaffrey at, at 8500 mm. Uh, if people are loading up on those Lions and, and Vikings, the, you know, the Amon Ra's and the Justin Jeffersons uh, and the Dalvin Cooks and the DeAndre Swifts, uh, you know, McCaffrey, you know, at the highest price running back on the slate is going to I think he's going to go under owned. You know, he has like in his range of outcomes this week. I really, you know, one of those like, you know, 12 catch games, you know, I don't know. There's something, you know, the Niners are too cheap is really what it's coming down to. So I, I kind of, you know, I, I could see building some pretty inexpensive stacks there and you know going away from the chalk uh it's 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 an interesting week there's not a lot out there that there's very little that's that jumps out jumps off the page at you uh i again i expect that Lions vikings game you know in like the you know, the millie maker i mean these guys mm-hmm. are going to be like off the charts you know owned you know so i i don't know I, you know you got to go away from it but i also think you have to build a few teams with those chalky pieces Right. So, I don't and, know. And and hit the right non-chalk pieces from other yeah. games to Yeah. And then to you know there's also the, the you know the other way to play and I'm sure I'll be doing plenty of this is you know playing none of the chalk from that game but you know building it with you know Chark and Thielen and you know like some right. of the lesser or, or, or go big on like Dalvin Cook or something that somehow it's all he gets all the touchdowns for Minnesota right. or something right. like that. Yeah. You know. So so I'm so I'm looking at the uh in the in the lineup build here and I'm just seeing those those beautiful green numbers in the opponent rank uh 
column that you, they're, they're so irresistible. You see Kirk Cousins is up against the 32nd defense against right. quarterbacks and Jared Goff is up against the 27th. And uh, yeah, th- those are that that's always hard to resist when you, you see a guy cheap priced against the defense that, that gives up a lot of points to that position. Yeah, I got got to build some stacks with that game. Now, this game can turn, I think. I, you know, the Lions defense, I mean, the Lions, period, have been playing awesome football. Right. Ever since I stopped covering them for my bets, I mean that you could look it up. Um, but it's that there, there there is room for this game to go way under, right? right? If the Lions' defense like shows up, and you know the Lions would prefer, I'm sure, to feed you know uh, you know feed the ground game. So I mean this there's 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 paths for this game I think to like end up like you know twenty four seventeen. You know there's, there's also paths for it to be you know forty five forty. Right. You know, it's it's a it should be a fun one either way. All right. Maybe maybe the the uh, the pivot move is you go Lions defense at, at three thousand or Vikings defense at thirty one hundred and otherwise stay away from the game and hope that uh, one of the one of those weird games where the defense scores a couple of touchdowns or something. <laughs> I hate defense. I, I really I, I, it's the worst. <laughs> It worst. is so stupid. If yeah, like last week, if if you didn't uh, have the, the Browns defense, I know you're, yeah. you're toast. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I I hate it. I I prefer kickers. I think there's more skill in picking a kicker than there is in picking a defense. All right. Well, again, more uh, sports betting consulting from Jeff Edelstein. If you're listening, <laughs> DraftKings, uh, he's advising put kickers in instead of defense. All right, and that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to our guest, Captain Jack Andrews. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein, and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, I'm going to take us out for a change this week because I want to say a few words about Hall of Fame boxing referee Mills Lane, who died this week at age 85. There isn't a direct gambling tie-in here, unless you had money on the bite fight and either loved or hated Mills for disqualifying Mike Tyson, but I will create a tie-in by quoting Mills himself in the interview with Jim Gray immediately after that fight. Uh, Gray asked if he was disappointed the fight had to end that way, and Mills said, you know, you play the hand you're dealt and do the best you can with the cards, that's all I can tell you. Uh, As it happened, five years later, Mills was dealt an absolute crap hand. Uh, He had a stroke and spent the last 20 years of his life seriously diminished. Just awful. Uh, But he lived a hell of a life till then. As a non-boxing guy, Jeff, I'm curious what you think of when you see a picture of Mills Lane. Is it Celebrity Deathmatch or or is Judge Mills Lane show or or is it the bite fight or is it something else? Well, I mean, as so I'm not currently a boxing fan, but when I was younger, I was a monster boxing fan, you know. And so, yeah, Mills Lane definitely holds, you know, it it was Mills Lane and uh, Richard Steele. Those were the... I mean, it, it, that that's when you knew it was a big fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and you know, I loved Mills. He was, you know, this, you know, this little scrappy, bald-headed guy who, you know, he, he took no, he took no shit. You know, and like, you <laughs> that's know, exactly right. Yeah. And, and and you know, and he was, you know, he was a he was a character in the ring. You know, and and you, you could hear him over the roar of the crowd. And, <laughs> yes. You know, he really, you know, so yeah, I, I definitely have a soft spot in my heart when I saw that he passed away. I, you know, it definitely brought me back. But uh, yeah, you know, it's I, I didn't know that he had you know that he had spent the last twenty years you know after a stroke, but it's that's that's sad to hear. Yeah. But yeah, no, but I'll, listen, take take me back to you know, give me some John the Beast Mugabe, man. That, that's <laughs> uh, now you're in my that's favorite. that's your era. I know you you mentioned before you were a big Hagler fan. I think right after he yeah. died, uh, you yeah. you reached out. So uh, yeah, Mills Lane was the genuine article, and, and and tributes have been pouring in all week. Not a bad word from anyone, except maybe a bad word about him introducing other referees to the awful idea of having a catchphrase uh but but his catchphrase was great so in honor of mills lane let's get it on and gamble on